What is the Lord Jesus doing? What is Jesus up to? That is the question. Not in past tense, what is it that the Lord Jesus has done? Not simply a question of possibility, what would Jesus do, as the bracelet used to read? But present tense, current reality. What is the Lord Jesus doing? Now, in this moment, in these circumstances, what is he, the Lord of all things, our good shepherd, up to? This is the question. If you've ever spent any time with a spiritual director or a spiritual friend, this is the primary question you will be asked with whatever you bring to the conversation, whatever situation of difficulty or something to celebrate and rejoice over. The director's task is to guide you with the Holy Spirit to an embrace of what Jesus is doing in your present circumstances. The gift of such a presence, a director or a friend who can do this, is invaluable in life. Of course, to ask and answer that question well takes some doing. How is it that we can with confidence know what the Lord is doing in a given moment? Is that the Spirit's witness or the breakfast taco I had this morning? We can all imagine or even know of scenarios where someone is convinced they're following the will of God, they're walking with Jesus, but in reality, they've baptized their own bliss. They're following their own self-interest. They're deceived in some way. It's the question of discerning and discerning well. I'd like to consider this question this morning together. What is Jesus doing today in terms of the phrase, the body of Christ? The phrase was, of course, used in our reading this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, but I'd like to consider it more broadly. The early church's mothers and fathers sometimes spoke of Christ's threefold body. That's not the three-body problem for you sci-fi readers, but it referred to his earthly body, Jesus' physical form during his ministry recorded in the Gospels, and second to his ecclesial body, the church probably the term that most we, we most quickly think of. And finally, to his sacramental body, the, the bread and wine we partake of at the altar. I'd like to consider these three bodies of Christ in turn this morning with an eye toward answering this question. What is Jesus doing? We'll work together through this threefold body under the headings of the body that delivers, the body that proclaims, and the body that consumes. So first, the body that delivers. Our gospel reading this morning, recorded by the evangelist Luke, provides us with Jesus' first articulation of his own sense of what it is he was doing. It's an expression of his understanding of his mission. And one of the key elements is that Jesus, from the scroll, from the prophet Isaiah, selects, he chooses for himself this specific text recorded in verses 18 and 19. He describes his ministry in, this, in terms of this specific language. Most of the words are taken from Isaiah chapter 61, but some also from Isaiah 58. And the language of the year of the Lord's favor is in fact picking up this idea from the book of Leviticus, the, the year of Jubilee. So Bolivian theologian Mortimer Arias describes this as Jesus' Jubilee proclamation. 
And the year of Jubilee was this year when debts were forgiven and slaves were released. But in the Jewish imagination, this year, which seems to have hardly, if ever, actually been practiced, came to be this shorthand for this hope of God's redemption in the world, this this moment in time when he would deliver his people, he would set things right. And that image, right, the year of the Lord's favor, Jubilee, was taken up by the prophet Isaiah and others. And Isaiah saw the day in the future when that year would be inaugurated, that time would come to fruition through this suffering servant who through his own suffering, by his own wounds, through his own body, would bring freedom, healing, and restoration. So there's all of that, that constellation of images, that constellation of language that Jesus, in our reading today, picks up and says, this is about me. In me, this is now happening. This is how Jesus understands his work, his ministry, his project as bringing about deliverance, as ushering in this time of total emancipation, deliverance and release. And that emphasis on deliverance is especially notable because in the passage that Jesus quotes from, Isaiah 61, there's also language of vengeance and judgment right there, right next to these passages about liberation. But Jesus here does not quote those texts, those passages. And yes, of course, there are elements of judgment to Jesus' ministry. He'll issue warnings to this effect later on in Luke chapter 4. But he understands his work fundamentally, the work of his earthly body, the work that characterizes his ministry as that of healing, deliverance, liberation. As we read elsewhere, Jesus' ministry is not to condemn the world, but to offer it salvation. So often in situations of suffering and difficulty, our minds so quickly move to punishment or condemnation as the rationale, as the reason. This is my just desserts. I'm reaping what I sow. God is mad at me. But the ministry of Jesus now, as he understands it, is characterized by the bringing of freedom, by the bringing of wholeness. So even in situations of suffering, The question of what Jesus is doing can confidently be answered now that he is seeking to bring life and blessing, to restore what sin and the devil have sought to destroy, to cancel the debts that we have incurred. And that work might very well be painful, right? The exposure of our sins, our weaknesses that we have sought to hide, the dispelling of the illusions that we have lived with. But Jesus' ultimate aim is deliverance, is healing for you, for me. Yes, in the end, there is judgment and glimpses of it now, but Jesus' work is fundamentally that of deliverance, of bringing new life to you and to me. That is the lens through which you should consider the work of Jesus in your life and in the world. Now, two things about this. First, Jesus' deliverance is totally comprehensive. Jesus' words here about what he's doing with his earthly body is this comprehensive, total kind of thing. Some of us might be used to reading these words in a strictly individualized, spiritualized form. And others of us might read these in purely material or sociological terms. 
But the thrust of Jesus' language, the, the thrust of the imagery that he's using here covers every basis. The hope of Jubilee was not merely spiritual, but societal. It suggested a graced existence for God's people. Jesus, especially as he stands in line with the prophets like Isaiah, sees himself as continuing and realizing God's shalom in the world, right? Justice and peace in the world. On the other hand, Jesus is here speaking about and is on about more than just material liberation or physical deliverance. Jesus did more, for example, than just heal the physically blind, right? He brought spiritual light. He restored our inner sight. In the same way, the language of the poor and the captives here has, does seem to have more in mind than just material reality. Good news for those who recognize their need and their lack before God. So often, the material poor are those who can most easily do this. Prisoners takes on this broader meaning in the context of Israel's exile. Jesus' deliverance, yes, involves the breaking of physical chains, but more than that, it's also freedom from sin and evil, the things that have led Israel into exile. There is a fullness to the deliverance that Jesus brings. So do you come this morning with a physical need? Do you come desiring greater emotional freedom in your life? Do you come experiencing injustice and longing for a more just existence, a more just world? The favor of the Lord that Jesus brings is known in each of these realms, in every realm of human experience. There is this comprehensive quality to what Jesus is up to. He is at work for total deliverance, total wholeness in your life and in the world. So that's the first thing. It's comprehensive. The second thing is that Jesus is about freedom to something. We might so easily interpret the freedom and favor that Jesus brings through our own contemporary lens. We live in a time that is characterized by the ascendancy of what is sometimes called like expressive individualism, right? Where the removal of any obstacle to my individual expression is the main thing. The removal of anything that would hinder my ability to define my own concept of meaning, my own concept of existence. That's what is most important. With that lens, then, it's easy to understand that Jesus is all about the removal of such hindrances and obstacles. He is about this modern conception of freedom and liberty that is primarily freedom from. Freedom from things that we might be us, that we do us. There's obviously a lot that we could say about this. What I merely want to do this morning is point us to our Old Testament reading that Bob just did yeoman's work reading us through. That was amazing. <laughs> but in that passage from Nehemiah, the word of the law, the book of the law is read for the people. And what we see is their ready embrace of that law. We see them rejoicing over the recovery of God's vision for their lives. That is a vision, that is a picture of people rejoicing in freedom, in liberation. The freedom that comes from living in line with God's gracious purposes. A liberty we cannot establish on our own with the pursuit of our own appetites, our own desires. And the law here is received not as this oppressive or hindering imposition, but as this joyful and light thing, this thing that brings life. It's freedom to something. 
And Jesus' own words in Luke 4 remind us he comes not to destroy or undo the law, but to fulfill it. And he comes, of course, as someone who breaks the yokes of injustice, breaks the yoke of evil that might oppress us. But he also comes himself with a yoke, right? I don't mean eggs. (laughs) He comes with a yoke that is light and easy because it's made for us. It releases us to live into the fullness of who we were made to be. That we might be taken out of the dust, that we might be lifted up from the ashes, as our psalm read. He comes to heal and deliver that we might go and sin no more. So what is Jesus up to in his earthly body? He's up to the business of deliverance in every sphere. And he's working now to bring about full freedom for you and for me and in the world. All right, so that was first, the body that delivers. Her second heading was the body that proclaims. And in this kind of, under this heading, we will see that the delivering work of Jesus continues to this day. One of the ways it continues is in the church. That's not the only way that Jesus' ministry of deliverance continues. Some of you might know this song. There's this Christian song that I've heard a few times over the last few years. It's titled, Christ Has No Body But Yours. It's this like beautiful sentiment. It's this beautiful call to God's people to be the hands and feet of Jesus. The only problem is this is not exactly true. (laughs) We are not the only body of Jesus. The Christian claim is that there is an earthly body that Jesus has. Now, and he resides in the highest places at the right hand of the Father. And he's working in history, in time, by his Holy Spirit to bring all things in subjection to himself, that they might be whole and free. And he does this work by the Holy Spirit in creation, right? Some of you have perhaps followed along with what the Spirit is doing now in places like Iran, where the Spirit is moving in such a way, in visions and dreams, drawing people to Jesus in a way that's nearly unprecedented. There are some statistics that suggest that from 500 believers in 1979, there are now over a million Christians in Iran. And that is something that has occurred largely outside the work, the doing of the organized institutional church. That's amazing. The Spirit is at work in the world outside the church. But one of the ways the delivering work of Jesus now continues is among us, is in the church, the ecclesial body of Christ. The invitation, the call upon us as the body of Christ now is to continue the work that Jesus did in his own earthly ministry, in his own body. We seek the grace to discern what Jesus is doing now today in part that we might partner with him in it. That's what the quote on your bulletin from Ecuadorian theologian Rene Padilla is about. As a community of new creation, the body of Christ now continues Jesus' comprehensive, liberating ministry. That is your invitation, our invitation and call, our joy and our responsibility. And as Paul suggests in 1 Corinthians 12, that ministry takes on different forms. For Jesus, it took on different forms. Through the gospel, we see that he preaches, he teaches, he heals. He exhorts people to justice. He confronts injustice. He rebukes people. He welcomes children. 
The ministry of the church is similarly multifaceted. The unique circumstances of your life, your abilities, your interests and passions, they are all to be utilized toward God's purposes of deliverance. So acts of mercy and compassion, acts of peacemaking, acts of service, acts of justice and care, these all reflect the total deliverance that Jesus offers. We, we postponed it, but today we were going to have a representative from Potter's House, this new ministry partner in Guatemala City. We hope to do that in the coming weeks. But something I most appreciate about the Potter's House, this indigenous-run ministry for the poor in Guatemala City primarily, is that there are all kinds of ways to participate. All kinds of ways reflective of the comprehensive nature of God's kingdom the varied ways that we are gifted. There are opportunities for those in the medical profession. There are opportunities for those particularly gifted in prayer ministry. There are opportunities for those with experience in construction. There are opportunities for children to participate. As the body of Christ, the church is to continue and, to continue and embody the ministry of Jesus out in the world and in our relationships among one another. Whatever your giftings, whatever your limitations, you are called, you are invited to this work, participation as a part of the body. There is, however, this particular emphasis in the Gospel of Luke and in our text today that is important. There's a particular emphasis on proclamation. Throughout the Gospel of Luke, there's this emphasis on Jesus' spoken words empowered by the Spirit. And three times in verses 18 and 19, Jesus uses verbs related to proclamation to describe what he's doing. He brings good news. He proclaims release. He proclaims the favorable year. Now, I'm aware it seems kind of self-aggrandizing for the person with the microphone to talk about how important proclamation is. And the point here is not that preaching is somehow more important than any other action the church is called to. But it is to say that there's this unique aspect of the mission of Jesus, this declaration, this message that he makes about himself, this message of good news, of deliverance, this verbal content that God's favor is now in the world and accessible in him. At the center of what Jesus does is this message about himself that through him this remarkable transformative thing is happening, the forgiveness of sins, the release of evil, a new way to be human, access to God in a unique way, the, the kingdom of heaven drawn near, accomplished through him alone. And the remarkable thing about Jesus' claim here is that the, the message that he delivers actually has the means to accomplish it, right? Jesus doesn't just talk about release, he declares it and release happens. He declares freedom, and freedom happens. He declares healing, and healing happens. That is the power of the gospel message. It accomplishes what it proclaims. So no, everyone is not called to be a preacher. Being a preacher is no better, no higher than any other call. The body is not all mouths, thanks be to God. But there is the priority for the body to make known what is true of Jesus, to communicate it, indeed, of course, but definitely in word as well. Because it's through this message that shalom, that peace, that righteousness and justice are possible. Leslie Newbegin once wrote that the kingdom, 
And the things that it brings, justice, peace, and truth, are no longer these faceless concepts. They now each have a face and a name, the face and name of Jesus. So the service, the the work of making peace, contending for justice, it all comes in the name of Jesus. It all is accompanied by this declaration about him. Arias, who I quoted earlier, the Bolivian theologian, who was intimately concerned with the deeds of the gospel, acts of mercy and justice and compassion, once declared, the uncommunicated gospel is a patent contradiction. It's not good news if it's not news. It's a message that goes forward. It's a verbal declaration that must be made known. The body, the body of Christ is one that does not shut up. It's a body that proclaims. Each week, we close our worship with a prayer for mission. And I wonder, what do you hear in that prayer? Among whatever the Spirit is doing that particular Sunday, what I would hope you hear in it is an invitation to go out, to go forward with the name of Jesus on your lips, with the truth about him on your lips. Not trying to win converts to our team, but in cooperation with Jesus going forth with news of release and deliverance and healing. To your colleagues, your neighbors, your friends, your own children and family members, to your enemies. Now this is going a little bit long. So if we were to live things there, some of you might be relieved. But that kind of ends with a sense of our own responsibility, our own work, a focus on what we do and are to do. And we began our time with the question of what it is that Jesus is doing, focusing on him and his work. So so please permit me this final point, the sacramental body of Christ, bread and wine, the body that consumes. You are what you eat. I suspect that many of us do not feel ready or able to participate well in the proclaiming work of Christ's body. Even more, I suspect that many of us come today longing, needing to taste more fully of the release, the healing, the deliverance that Jesus describes in Luke 4. I know I do. Each week, we move and worship to this table to receive the elements of bread and wine. Much ink in Christian history has been spilt describing what it is that happens to these elements. And some of you perhaps have questions about what's happening, what this church teaches and believes. I want to invite you, perhaps for only today, but especially today, as you come or as you anticipate coming online at home, to consider not what is happening in the elements, but to consider what through the elements is happening to you. If the body of Christ is working even today for total deliverance, comprehensive healing, What happens to those who receive, who ingest that body? As we come in faith, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus' delivering and healing work continues in you and in me. As we come in faith, the favor of the Lord is at work in his people, such that they're made more free, such that they're made more whole, such that they are delivered and released the gifts of God for you, the people of God. 
the body of Christ, for you, the body of Christ, that you might be more the body of Christ, more free, more released, more healed, more like him. At the end of our reading in Luke, Jesus says this curious thing. He says, today, this reading is fulfilled in your hearing. By saying today, he didn't mean like this random Saturday in the first century. Rather, it's what most people describe as an ever-present now, today, in this time, available for you. Now, deliverance is available. Now, healing is on offer. Now, you might be made more like him. So what is Jesus up to today? Now, it is the work of deliverance that he seeks to accomplish. So as the body, let us receive his body and be changed. Receive the body of Christ and be consumed by the Lord's favor for you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious and almighty God, as we are gathered in this room, as we are gathered digitally online, Lord, we gather as your body. We also come, Lord, as people with great need, great lack. We come as a people who need your healing, who need release and deliverance. And so we ask for each of us and for us collectively, that by your Holy Spirit, as we draw near in faith, that you would do this work of deliverance, of emancipation, of wholeness in and among us, O Lord. Draw near to us, we pray, that we might more fully become your own, your body, and go forth with news. Good news for the poor. A word of freedom for the captive and sight for the blind. That we would go forth living and speaking of the year of the Lord's favor. In the strong name of Jesus we pray. Amen.